You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for September 24th, 2023, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by Rob Schwartz. It's based on the lectionary readings from Exodus and Matthew. It's a real pleasure for me to be here preaching before you and worshiping with all of you. As John said earlier, I'm usually on the backside of everything, so I'm always either behind a camera or something like that. So this is a, a real pleasure. And I was um, scrolling through Facebook the other day, and as usual, it presents you with the usual snapshot of memories, places I'd gone, people I'd been with, old posts that I've maybe written 14 years ago or somewhere in between. And while it's great to see all the little cute family photos that pop up here and there, I definitely do not need to be reminded of some of the posts from college that I used to write. For example, tonight I rode down the hill outside our dorm in a shopping cart multiple times. Or, well, just missed my flight home. Probably shouldn't have gone to that party last night. And I mainly roll my eyes at the post where I just sound like a pretentious film snob who knows everything about movies after two years of film school. As embarrassing as some of these posts may be, I can still laugh about them years later. The more shocking posts are the ones where I wrote about issues like race or immigration, LGBTQI plus community, or the environment, and I didn't nearly take them as seriously as I do today. All the younger me could think was how ungrateful people seemed, wondering why they were complaining so much. How was my thinking so different back then? Now, to be fair, I consider Moses to be someone older and wiser than me, and he didn't sound too different from what we just heard. Right? Today's reading starts off telling us the Israelites were complaining. Oh, if only we died as slaves in Egypt. At least we had food back there. In modern terms, this is what we'd call being extra. But Moses, he just sounds like they're getting on his last nerve. Telling them, God will provide you meat in the evening and bread during the day because, you know, you're complaining and everything. And then he also adds to it, so, if you have any further complaints, don't take it up with us, take it up with God. The mood is no less tense in the Gospel reading that followed this. Jesus tells the story of a landowner representing God who hires day laborers for his vineyard at various points throughout the day. He promises the first bunch the usual daily wage, and he tells the next two groups of workers he'll give them a fair pay. This last group of workers who put in more time, or this last group of workers who only worked an hour, he still pays them a full day's wage, the same as everyone who put in more time. Now, naturally, the folks who have been busting their butts in the field all day had some major grievances for this landowner. How could you make those people equal to us? How is that fair? 
Both of these readings are meant to reveal something about the character of God. My immediate thought? The character of God here sounds frustratingly opposite to how most of us would act today. Now, I'm not a parent. I am an uncle, but I'm not a parent. And I've picked up on this concept that if a child is complaining and throwing a tantrum, it's usually counterproductive to give them exactly what they want and reinforce that negative behavior. And yet, God's thinking something totally different by giving the Israelites exactly what they're asking for. And if I were running a business, something tells me it wouldn't last too long. If I paid all my employees the same flat fee, regardless of how many hours they worked. And yet, the God figure in Jesus' parable does just that. So, what is God picking up that we're not? Well, what if we read what led up to our Exodus reading? Before we're told all about this complaining, I'm not even talking back with the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and all of that. The lectionary today starts on verse 2. But what if we backed it up, just one verse? I'm going to give you a challenge. Try to listen for why the Israelites were so grumpy just one verse later. Verse 1 reads, The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Quick show of hands here. Anyone think they've picked up on the reason they might be grumbling by verse 2? Man, that's the same reaction I got at the last two services. What the heck? All right, that's fair, it's fair. I gave them both a second chance. I'm going to give you all a second chance. So let's hear it one more time. Verse 1. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Anyone think they might be picking up on it? My aunt's got it. All right. She, she's family. She has to raise her hand. They have been traveling for over a month. I'll admit, as someone who doesn't do well in heat and gets really hangry when I don't eat right on time, I would have been right there complaining with the rest of them, especially after a month of this. And as for the parable that Jesus tells, all the initial workers here is that last bunch got paid the same amount for less work. They don't take the time to listen to what happened to those latecomers before they showed up. Earlier in the story, the landowner approached the last group of workers and he asked why they were standing around, to which they replied, no one has hired us yet. Well, by listening to their experience, the landowner saw they were trying to get by just as much as all the others he hired before them. His payment at the end, I think, is less of an imperfect wage system and more of a response to recognizing the experiences of those in need. Like Moses or those early workers, we are all pretty good at hearing what is being said to us or around us. 
but we don't always listen to what's behind those words. The lived experiences that have led up to this moment, the deeper struggles that people might be facing. Listening requires us to be very intentional about processing the stories that people share with us, and then accepting that those stories might change us. One of my favorite authors, Gregory Ellison, said, "His personal mantra is, 'Once you see, you can't not see.' This shift from hearing to listening is a big part of why my mindset changed so much between college and now. Why those old Facebook posts don't sound anything like me? I read books by people whose genders, races." Abilities and sexual orientations were different than my own. I listened to the stories of people who experienced things I would not and could not ever experience. There was no way I could go back to my old way of thinking after that. I suppose this is why I'm a little stumped on how to address our season of creation care. Someone once told me there's a fine line between a sermon and a hostage situation, <laughs> and I could easily stand up here and spout off a number of environmental crises that we're facing, and force you to hear everything I have to say. But there'd be no past experience to listen for. See, while every living thing on Earth is affected by climate change and our footprint on the planet, my life has, in the grand scheme of things, felt relatively unscathed. It's not me who should be standing here talking to you, but it is, and so I can leave you with the insights of those who helped me to listen. People who showed me the dire situation that they are in. As a result of our failure to be stewards of creation, see, in 2019, I took an Appalachian immersion course as part of my seminary studies. We spent about a week in various parts of Kentucky, learning the area's history and meeting the locals. They told us about the impact mining had on their health. That nationally, one in ten people who spent at least 25 years working in a mine end up with lung disease. But because of conditions in the mines in Appalachia, that number was one in five. And these local filmmakers made an amazing documentary called Sludge, which recounted a disaster from 23 years ago. See, at the top of mountains where they dig for coal, you can find what they call coal sludge ponds—a mix of water, coal dust, and clay, which contains toxic heavy metals like arsenic. Mercury, lead, and chromium. And so, 23 years ago, one of these ponds broke through the mountaintop in Martin County, Kentucky, and it flowed through the mine and into their local water supply, which killed aquatic life for about 30 miles of the river, damaged multiple municipal water systems, and caused millions of dollars in property damage. We spoke to Father John there, a Catholic priest who had made it his mission to unify the Catholic churches in their area about protecting the environment. 
through creation, he said, people are either going to be affirmed or they're going to be denied their basic human rights. Our class attended a local fish fry in church where we heard from even more people. I don't think I can properly do their stories justice, but I can tell you I've been forever changed by listening to what they said and shared. And there's one comment to that this day that I still can't shake. Our group asked, what is something we can bring home with us? What would you want us to bring home to our friends and our families and our parishes? And this one woman stood up and said, Appalachia does not need saving. It needs solidarity. Those words reverberate for me in every one of these stories that we heard here today. What if Moses realized God wasn't saving the starving Israelites, but was showing them and standing with them in solidarity? What if the grumbling workers realized those other workers were in the same boat as them and stood with them in solidarity? What if all these years, as we've been told to save the planet, what the planet really needed was us to stand in solidarity with it? All of this begins when we simply stop hearing the noise that's around us and learn to listen. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.